how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. As a kid, I escaped into movies. Some movies inspired me to do something great. Some movies made me relook at my life. Some movies made me long for love, said Gigi Gaston. As a director, Gigi's known for her work on Rip It Off, The Nanny Murders, Fatal Memory, and most recently Nine Bullets, which stars Lena Headey and Sam Worthington. In this interview, Gigi talks about her mentorship with George Kaku, director of My Fair Lady and Gaslight, who told her, quote, you will learn in the doing. Her early life as an Olympian and how a mugging actually led to her career as a producer. I think what happened was as a kid, like a lot of us, I just, I escaped into movies. Like all the problems I had in real life were put on hold when I went into movies. Some movies really inspired me to do something great. Some movies made me relook at my life. Some movies made me long for love, you know, to really fall in love. Um, some movies really made me want to achieve, you know? Mm -hmm. So it just all, it all started as a kid, you know, when, when you've had, I had a um, kind of turbulent childhood in places. So it was a really good place to escape. So I, I would say escapism. But there and wanting early... to do good, wanting to inspire people. Right. You know? Were there any early um, like mentorships or people you met along the way that kind of helped guide you on your path? Yes. Um, a lot of people, actually. I mean, not a lot of people, but a lot of surprising people. Okay. The very first person that inspired me, believe it or not, was George Cukor. Do you remember him? He was one of the greatest directors from the 30s and 40s and 50s. Okay. And he did like, he, like he worked with every star, like Catherine Hepburn lived with him. Right. Right. And um, I met him at a party and I, I was on the Olympic, well, I wasn't on the Olympic team because we didn't go that year, but I was in training for the Olympics my whole life as a child. Wow. And um, so I came from the barn, I'd been painting jumps. <laughs> I was covered in paint and 
horse sweat and horse shit and straw. <laughs> and I go to this Hollywood party where this legend, because he was there with Billy Wilder. You've heard of him, right? Yeah. 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 Well, check out George Cougar. He did movies as big as Billy Wilder. I, mm-hmm. I, I think most people, he got fired off of Gone with the Wind, which is kind of oh. cool. Wow. <laughs> and he was gay, which he hit it all the time, mm-hmm. you know? And so he basically said to me at this party, he came over and he goes, you're fascinating. Because of course I wasn't wearing Gucci or Pucci or any of that stuff. I'm covered in horse shit, right? And he goes, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to make movies. I'm riding horses right now, but I want to make movies. I go, what do you do? Of course, I embarrass myself completely. He's a legend. So we kept talking. He goes, you're so charming. You're so wonderful. Let me just tell you what to do. He goes, it's not that I'm against school. Mm. He said, but people get caught up in school. He said, you will learn in the doing. Get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. You want to write? Get out there and do it. Go home and get a pencil. And so I thought that was very good. Um, it took me 15 years after that <laughs> to, right. to go. I, I started my first script on a ta- in a, um, at a horse show mm-hmm. on a tack trunk. You know, that's where you put all your equipment in yeah. between the horses and I had a, 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 I started typing in between horses and um, that was probably before you were born. No. <laughs> and um, so uh, that's where I started. And I just, I bought a book by Sid Field. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like reading this going, okay, page 10, I have to have the protagonist. You know, I was like that, you know, like, and I was working and charting this whole thing out in between riding all these horses. Everyone thought I was crazy. And then the other person, when I first sold my first script, which wasn't that one, it was a crazy story on how I got into actually really writing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then I went back into the horses, you know, and I was kind of like dabbling and finding my right. way. Then I made a commitment, quit horses. That's it. I'm going to New York. So I go to New York and I start studying acting, writing this, that everything, you know what I mean? And waiting tables. And someone had walked out on my table. So I had like lost all this. Fuck, oh, can I swear on this? All this yeah. money. Right? <laughs> sure. And so I was in a really bad mood and I go home to my dog and I'm walking my dog and this guy's like, you know, comes up like this in his pocket, you know, like, and he had nothing but a hand in his pocket. I thought it was a gun, but I was so angry. And you know, when you're young, you know, you're invincible. Right. So I'm like, what the fuck do you want? you know, give me something if I'm going to give you all my money. And he pulls off on his back, a backpack, and in it were all these books. And he goes, okay, pick a book. He was one of those guys that sell on the street. Wow. And I picked a book and I swear to God, this is a totally true story. I go a year later, I pick up this book. I go to Hawaii. Someone invites me to Hawaii. I can't put it down. I option the book thinking it's going to be cheap as hell. Right. No, the guy wrote The Sting, The Color of Money, Queen's Gambit. Okay. I option it. I get all my horse people to put money in it. So then I'm going to be a producer. Can't find anyone to write it because they said it's a diary. It'll never be written. It was called Mockingbird. Hmm. Well, I didn't want to lose everyone's money. So I went home, picked up Sid Field's book again, (laughs) locked myself in my house. And for two weeks, I wrote the first draft because the option was ending. Cut to, I sent it to an agent at CAA who I'd known like partying, right? Mm -hmm. And I put a man's name on it, Mm. George Dupin, which is George Sands' original name. Did you know that? No. Kind of interesting. 
So cut to, he goes, well, I've got to meet this George. I'm going to go out with a spec. We're going to sell this. And I go, okay, I'll bring George. How'd you meet George? Oh, he lives in the neighborhood. So cut to, I show up, me. <laughs> Ken is going, where's George? I'm like, I'm George. And we sold it to Mary Parent and New Line and Steve Tisch, like within three days. And uh, that was my first sale. And then I met Gary Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, who is a very good mentor. And I've actually write comedies too, which is crazy. Cause I love Mockingbird was a sci-fi, a love story set in a drug ridden future. You know, this movie's, you know, did you get to see it? Yeah. Oh, like, well, yeah. you know, this movie, movie to me is about second chances and you never know where they're coming from or who's going to walk into your life and change your whole life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Anyway, that's how I sold my first script and then met Gary Marshall. And uh, Gary was very helpful and taught me a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, To go back a little bit in your horse riding days, I know like that sounds like very different from riding, but did you have an early resilience? Like it seems like you're willing to kind of jump first and figure things out on the way with some of these stories. Um, Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Horses set me up for the film business. Mm -hmm. And like I was, um, I'd sold like 17 movies, like 96 on. Mm -hmm. Sold them for big money. One, I was very lucky to have a million dollars from, you know, Ron Howard's company, Mm -hmm. all female driven. Let me turn off my phone. And, um, And so I thought, oh, this is great. No studio is gonna waste a million bucks, right? I'm finally gonna get a movie made. That was 1999. Mm-hmm. I just got my first movie made. So the point is, is that horses, you fall off. Horses, you have to get up and get back on. Horses is about persistence. Horses about keeping the goal and, um, you know, not quitting. And so I think that my whole horse world uh, definitely set me up for staying in the saddle with movies. Mm. What did you see? Did you see differences in your writing style? I'm sure there was some improvement or was it more about the industry? I mean, you mentioned having to sell it under a man's name. Is it the the fact that the industry changed some over time? Like what are some of the facets that led to you being able to be a writer director? Um, Not giving up. Right. Uh, See, I've never, I have never seriously ever looked at myself as female versus male. Now I'm starting until the me too started. And then, you know, everyone's going, oh, we want women driven movies. You know, I, that's just what I wrote. A lot of them got option and didn't get made, you know, of my films. And was it disheartening? Yeah. I took a break for a while. Um, I fell in love and went into another career Mm -hmm. and, but I never stopped writing. I just fell in love, you know, and I just always thought, well, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. I know I'm a really good writer. I can be back now. Um, I just, uh, I mean, some, t- a couple things that happened on this movie made me realize I was a woman, you know, and I didn't change Mockingbird to a guy's name because I thought, oh, they can't, no one will buy a woman. I probably maybe subconsciously thought that, you know, mm-hmm. cause that was definitely, I think that was 1996, believe it or not. And I don't think many women at the time, maybe Mimi Leader but I don't think many women at the time were doing writing 
action movies, you know, and Mockingbird was definitely a sci-fi action piece. And um, but with a great meaning, it was, it's about the rebirth of love Mm -hmm. in a drug ridden future. And so like, for me, it's more about the themes. And I guess I just have strong females in them, but Mockingbird was about a guy, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, of course there was a female in it, but I just, I have never really gone thinking that way. And maybe if I had, I would be more successful (laughs) and it wouldn't have taken all these years to finally get a movie I wrote directed, you know, by me made. Did you always write uh, addition from like the, the adaptations? Did you always come in with a spec script or were you also going out just pitching ideas as well? Oh, I did both. Yeah. And then I got hired for, I wrote this great script for Fox that um, Leonard, oh God, who's the guy who did Charlie's Angels? He produced and he had, and it was just a great yeah. rewrite. You know, mm-hmm. and they just wanted a female point of view. I think they had Nicole Kidman attached. And I, I think I made a, that a really great movie and it didn't get made. But, mm. you know, I just uh, I've done I've done it across the board. You know, I love pitching because um, I love people, you know, and I think that brings me into directing. You know, I love interacting with people. I love the actors. The actors are like my life, you know, Lena what Lena Headey brought to this was just incredible, you know, and the um, collaboration between me as the writer director and her, you know, it was just, it's incredible. You can't replace it and you can't go, Oh, I know what's going to happen. I love the unknown. That's the horses, the unknown. You don't know when you're going to fall. I was in a hospital for three months after a fall. They said, I'd never ride again. I'd never, I'd be scarred for life no scars. I'd never walk again. I had, I was over basically. And, you know, it's the unexpected and you just can't accept the negative to any screenwriters out there. If you believe in it, keep going. And I think a good story is timely, you know, in all times, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Is there something else specific about this story? Like, tell us a little bit about where the the um the idea for nine bullets came from well that um that's a very emotional subject for me because um i had a son with my ex and in the divorce i don't get to see my son Hmm. and um as much like hardly at all and but when my ex was going to have our child i kept going I was a little bit like gypsy, you know, like, okay, great, fine. But, you know, I'm not, I, I have to start restart back on my career because that was when I was starting back again. And, you know, I'll be there three days a week. That's it. No more. Uh-uh. No more. It's all about you. You, you want the child. I want the child, but I'm telling you, I'm not doing this child seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Well, then I met him mm. and, uh, you know, I fell on, he just opened my heart. Okay. So this movie is dedicated to him. Um, it's way at the end, but at least it's still there for Dash. And um, and then the other idea came from, I used to sit on, my mom had a lot of eclectic people when I was a child and like Betty da- Davis and Gypsy Rose Lee and all these great people used to come to her house. My mom was a very amazing woman. And so I would sit on Gypsy Rose Lee's lap all the time when she was sitting with Betty Davis, right? They always kind of collected together. 
<laughs> and so she would say, darling, see this, all those men are only interested in this, but what's really important is this, don't forget it, you know? And so um, I never forgot it. And so I've known uh, a lot of people in the trade of this, whether it's, you know, it's, there's a lot out there. Yeah. And I just suddenly hit me like, wow, it's all about this. So I wanted to write about a woman that's really always been about this, but because of her backstory in the movie, mm-hmm. which um, is, I think is a very important part of this movie. Mm-hmm. The backstory is, uh, you know, she lost her dream and then gets her dream again and gets to move forward in her dream and thinks that nothing's going to stop at this time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a writer. I'm smart. I get to make a living off of this. And then, you know, she bumps into this kid mm-hmm. and that derails her. As far as the, the scripts that maybe got made or you felt with, did you always feel a personal connection? A lot of people think, right. What you know, means something to do with plot. It's usually more about theme or universal themes hidden within the story. As you mentioned, I mean, did you always see personal connections to the scripts you wrote? No, because I wrote, I, I was hired um, to, to, to adapt different right. projects that I had nothing to do with, but I made them personal. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think like, look, we lost a lot on this movie because of budget. You know, there's a lot that was cut and changed, you know, for me. So it's sometimes hard for me to watch it, even though I think the relationship carries the movie. I still see these huge action sequences I wrote that mm-hmm. we couldn't afford. Okay. Right. But the relationship between Gypsy and Sam, you know, Lena and that kid is so strong and it's so important how he opens her heart, you know, and, 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 and fulfills her this loss that she's had her whole life. So in every movie I was hired to write that hasn't been made yet, and they probably will, hopefully, um, there's, I always put a connection in there of humanness, you know, of something that means something to me or a friend, if I heard a friend talk about something, um, there has to be, I think, as a writer, don't you? I mean, you're a writer. Right. Don't you feel there has to be a connection there between the characters or something that's meaningful to you or something you want to say that you hope can change a person's view, give them hope? Maybe someone out there watches the movie and goes, God, I have hope for myself. I'm, I'm not too old. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we didn't cast her 20. <laughs> you know, I, I can have a second chance. You never know what age or when you know, or what it is. I mean, it's all of it. You know, it's like, you have to be open to the higher power and trust in it, hmm. which is very hard nowadays. I mean, look at our world. Right. You know, even I've written a, a crazy movie that took me eight years of research under the city of New York mm-hmm. that we're going to go out with. And every one of those characters, I think are very strong and, and different people will relate to them in different ways even though it's set, you know, 40 years in the future. But um, anyway, so yeah, I think you have to add personal stuff in your work. Of those personal stories and those spec scripts, do you, have you found now that there's, or do you want to write and direct all of these going forward? Or is it more about certain ones that really stand out where you see yourself as the writer and director? I am so open. 
Mm-hmm. Like if some great director wants to direct one of my movies, go for it. Mm-hmm. I really am open. I, I um, did a couple lifetime movies before this just to get some practice and, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't write them. <laughs> I would have changed a lot but when I talked to, and I'm not saying that as a put down, I'm just saying I would have changed a lot, but the actors in them all added layers with me to the character. Right. You know what I mean? And it got me in great training because we did our movie in 19 days, 210 setups. Mm. That's insane in 19 days. Okay. Yeah. Lifetime was like 11 days, 11 pages a day. I think we did 13, wow. but um, I think that you just have to, you know, trust in your, in whatever you want to call it, your instincts, your higher power, your desire, whatever, you know, and, and I would love a great director. I would kill the, the movie, the apocalyptic one mm-hmm. is going to go out to big directors. Right. It's like a hundred million dollar movie. I don't right. expect to be able to direct that after my first movie. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm also very logical and I'm sometimes logical like that. <laughs> I think we're almost out of time. Um, do you, I like to kind of finish. Do you have any like last bit of advice for writers? I mean, it seems like you have this power to like kind of just power through, get it done, keep moving forward, even though it's there's so many unknowns, so many variables. Just any advice about finishing a script, getting a getting a story done and ready to possibly be made? I'm telling you, I believe every human and every writer has that story in them, hmm. and I'm and I'm just saying. No matter how many no's you get, whether it's a thousand, and trust me, I've gotten a thousand, even things I sold. The, the, it's insane that takes one yes. Right. And never give up and make sure, oh, I can't spell worth shit. <laughs> so I don't know why. I just like, I never went to college. Probably that's why. And my manager fixes it for me. I'm very grateful to Bettina Viviana over that, but, you know, make sure it's in really good shape. Cause you get one shot and make sure those third first 30 pages are, you know, killer. So uh, other than that, I'm sure everyone um, that you talk to spells way better than me because nothing destroys people by going, this girl can't spell, you know, but like have it in good shape and don't give up. I'm telling you it works. I swear. I am. I am a perfect example of not giving up. Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.